In today's highly competitive mortgage industry, building profitable relationships with real estate agents is essential for success. However, finding effective ways to secure agent relationships can be a challenge. With so many mortgage loan originators vying for the attention of real estate agents, it can be difficult to stand out and establish meaningful connections. Our new case study featuring loan officer Chris Coghill is a must read. Chris has closed a remarkable 36 million in funded loans from agent referrals. And in this case study, he shares his proven strategies for building strong relationships with real estate agents and leveraging those relationships to drive more business. To get your hands on this resource, head over to locastudy.com and download your free copy of the case study today. You'll find actionable insights and practical tips that Chris used to close 36 million in funded loans from agent referrals and how you can too. Don't miss out. Go check it out right now. Visit locastudy.com and download your free copy today. Welcome to Mortgage Marketing Radio, brought to you by the Mortgage Marketing Institute, your number one source for truth in mortgage marketing. Hey, listeners, Jeff Zimfer. Welcome to yet another episode of Mortgage Marketing Radio. We are fast approaching episode 100. Hey, do you have anybody in mind you'd like me to feature on the podcast? I'm all ears. You know, you can email me anytime, podcast at mortgagemarketingradio.com. If you got any suggestions for content topics, you can also jump into our Facebook group, the podcast community over on Facebook. Just type in a search for Mortgage Marketing Radio Podcast into your Facebook search bar and you'll get to our group. So as always, I appreciate you being here. If you're liking these episodes, if you haven't yet taken a moment to leave us a review, whether it's on our Facebook page or where you're listening right now on your favorite podcast, player, source, iTunes, Google Play, wherever else fine podcasts are available, I appreciate you leaving a review. The more reviews we get, the better rankings, the more people we can reach and the more positive impact we can have. And if you're getting results, positive impact benefits out of this podcast, why not pay it forward? Why not share this podcast with somebody else, a colleague uh, or friend in the industry? So, okay, this week we are talking about how a $3 billion originator makes the switch, the switch from old school to modern marketer. That's right. Many of you listening to this might consider yourselves old school. The average age of an originator is what? About 52 years old. So for some of us, myself included, right, we've got to learn some new things, some new ways to communicate, to uh, engage and reach out and market and build our brand. And my special guest today fits that bill perfectly because not only is he just one heck of an individual, a great all-around human being, but also he's uh, a phenomenal producer and achiever, 28 years of industry experience, over $3 billion in closed loans, consistently ranked in the top 100 originators in the country for the last 19 years out of 300,000. That is consistent performance. Who am I speaking of? I'm speaking of none other than David Jaffe out of Westlake Village in Oxnard, California. And we are going to dive into... Um, Really, you know, the fundamental, the basics, the foundational um, activities, disciplines that David has put into place for, uh, as we said, over 28 years. But he's also found himself recently needing to pivot and shift because, let's face it, people aren't necessarily buying as many houses as they once were. You know, 65% of his business last year was database. But you'll hear David talk about how um, that source, while it's still um, very profitable and should be pursued and optimized. Um, he's finding that he needs to diversify a bit. So we're going to talk about how he does past client reviews and annual reviews and things like that, and kind of what his daily method of operation is. You know, the uh, the daily structure he has to his activities in terms of calls and meetings and so forth. Um, dealing with with rate shoppers, 
Uh, we're going to discuss going consumer direct. We're going to talk about how he's using video uh, in an incredible way, getting video testimonials from his clients and teaming up with referral partners and just really the whole conversation around pivoting, how he's using uh, video in his marketing to differentiate himself. And of course, what you'll hear from David is his discipline and focus that he's got. As David likes to say, keep doing things right and business comes in the door and doing the right thing is always the right thing. So before I bring on my special guest, remember, if you're just tuning in now and you haven't yet checked out the Mortgage Marketing Pro membership, that's for you listeners who want to go to the next level, who want to get more efficient and effective with your referral partners, get more referrals from real estate agents in less time, and do that by teaching agent classes. We've got a whole suite of done-for-you, lunch-and-learn, turnkey classes that get butts and seats and loans in the pipeline. If you want to get better at your process, your process, your scripting, your conversion, your visible value, and if you want to be able to build your brand online and pivot like David has to become right a digital marketer, become a modern originator, well, check out mortgagemarketing.pro. There'll be links in the show notes, but that's where you can find it for more info there. And with that said... Let's get into this week's show with my special guest, David Jaffe. Hey, David. Welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me, Jeff. I appreciate it. It is an honor, uh, my friend, uh, sir, I, I dare say, sir. I feel like I'm a- addressing you as like some kind of royalty in the mortgage space. Not, well, not- I'm glad I've trained you properly, Jeff. <laughs> so I'm not you know, blowing smoke just because you're a guest. It's because... Man, I just remember back when I started as an originator back in 2003, you know, um, you know, we all look for role models out there, right? We all look for, hey, who's doing some good? And man, you used to come on my radar all the time of like, you know, David Jaffe uh, up in uh, LA. He's doing some amazing things. I mean, 25 years, over $3 billion in residential mortgages. So you've done a loan or two, huh? <laughs> yeah, I've done a couple. We try to do as many as we can. <laughs> that is awesome. So I, I usually, uh, let's open it up with this. People heard the kind of the formal inter, you know, introduction, but um, let me ask it this way. You've been in the business now 25 plus years, I think 28, is that right? Correct. 28 years. Yep. Yeah, 28 years. Um, why and uh, what keeps you going today? This is really a great business because you have the ability to be the master of your world. In a 100% commission world, there's no excuses. You either deliver or you don't deliver. You can be your own boss, but obviously in the mortgage business, mostly you're working under someone's umbrella, especially in the last 10 years, but you run your own business. And I've always wanted to be in charge of my own world. And this business has really enabled me to do that. Hmm. So. I appreciate you sharing that, by the way. Uh, what about, then, then you're a unique individual. I can see, you know, you're into um, physical challenges and stuff. You just uh, checked something off your bucket list. You hiked uh, Mount Whitney, correct? Correct. Yep. What's the elevation on that? Uh, 14,500 feet. Would it take you like two hours to get that done? <laughs> <laughs> I wish. I wish. 12 hours round trip. 12 hours yep, round but trip. But it was a lot of fun and something I had to cross off the bucket list before I get too old. Well, it seems like, you know, so to connect this together, straight commission, I, I, it takes a, to me, I, I, you know, it takes a certain DNA. Um, would you agree for somebody to, to be in a straight commission position? Without a doubt. And it's interesting. I look back and um, so many people I know, in fact, you know, the majority of America, they're working on, you know, a, a, a salary basis or an hourly basis and they're working, you know, for a company. And when I first started commission only 28 years ago, I was kind of freaking out, but it was definitely easier for me because I was living at home with my parents. So I had a much better safety net than the majority of people that start in this business. But I remember thinking about 15 or 20 years ago, I would actually feel uncomfortable working for a company with a salary and more comfortable on commission only because I feel like I, can, I could control more of my destiny that way. Hmm. So are you a control freak? Yeah, I may have been accused of that a couple times. Spend an hour in my office, you may get some uh, verification of that. Well, I'm sure that that served you. Uh, I guess it's a double-edged sword, but to one to one side of the sword, it served you um, in building. I mean, 28 years. Clearly, you've done something right. Yeah, it definitely is a catch-22. On one, and it 
makes you drive to succeed and do good and make sure you have total control. But on the flip side, it also holds you back being a control freak. I hired uh, coaching about 16 or 17 years ago, which really enabled me to step away from the control freak part mm-hmm. and really work on the delegation. And that's when my business really exploded. And then after you know the business exploded, it then enabled me to be able to work less but still maintain a good uh, volume level. What were some of the things you initially delegated? You know, one of the greatest things I learned at some conference was I was told to put a list on my desk, and every time I did something, I would write down on a piece of paper everything I did. And I did that for three days, and I had a long list. And then I went back to that list, and I said, what are the things that I don't need to do? And everything I didn't need to do, I moved to the right side of the column, and that was my first assistant. So that was things like getting my postcards together for mailing, um, calling for conditions, uh, just all the minutiae that we do in the lending world. So that first assistant was not so much a, a LOA, you know, doing um, paperwork process related things, but more so like marketing and those types of like non-high payoff uh, tasks. Correct. It was mostly clerical marketing. There was there was no selling part of it at all. It was simply just doing. The, the clerical stuff to take those things off my desk. And I probably had that person in that role. I, don't, I think I probably got my first assistant maybe three or four years in. Hmm. And I probably didn't bring on someone super skilled until I was in the business for a good 14, 15 years. Wow. How many, yeah. when, you, when you brought on that marketing assistant, the clerical stuff, how many units roughly were you doing then? Let's see. I was doing thirty million, and my average loan was one sixty. So, what was that? Probably about a hundred, maybe close to two hundred units. Wow. So I asked. Yeah, I was definitely understaffed. That's for sure. For a long time. (laughs) Were you working mega hours managing that? I was working a lot of hours. I was single, Mm -hmm. living alone, and all I did was work and go with my friends. It was one of those two things. There was nothing else. Yeah, it's interesting to, to unpack that a little bit because um, there's two stories there. Uh, and the one story is, it's, it's. I guess I'm partly curious why you didn't ask for help sooner or get help sooner. I didn't understand that I needed help. And I also think a part of it was thinking, this can't continue. What if my business drops and now I've got an employee that I've got to support? And I, I think I see that with a lot of people on the mortgage side as well as realtors. They don't want to hire a person because they don't know if they're always going to need them. Mm-hmm. But what I found is when I did hire somebody, I was almost always able to keep the volume up to keep them and keep them employed. And to go to the next level, you really do need to take things off your plate so that you can do things in your gifted zone. Mm. Do things what in your gifted zone? In your gifted zone, correct. Hmm. What would you say your gifted zone is? My gifted zone has definitely changed probably in the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. But my gifted zone, when I was doing the biggest growth of my business, probably the first 15 to 18 years, was just going out and knocking on doors. I was incredibly consistent. I was persistently consistent and consistently persistent. <laughs> I, never, yeah, I never missed a marketing of the task that I had on my business plan. If I had phone calls to make to call realtors, I would never miss those phone calls. I would go to open houses every Sunday. Uh, it would be such a bummer having to leave. You know, this is my single days. Mm-hmm. My friends would rent a beach house and I'd be able to go for a couple hours and then I'd have to go leave and go to work on Sundays. But I was incredibly disciplined and focused. And that was my gifted zone for sure. Mm, wow. That's, man, there's so much right here just to talk about um, disciplined and focused. I see this nice, you know, I get a broad section of exposure to loan officers at various levels of experience. You know, there's someone like you, right? Long-term veteran, um, 
understands kind of the if you will the, the the fundamental blocking and tackling it takes to succeed with real and then, then then there's the newbies who come in if you will you know last three five years whatever and it i don't know it, it, and forgive me for anybody listening and there's nothing personal here but sometimes i'm i'm seeing a, a lack of the work ethic on that discipline like you said right i mean who's got that level of commitment to, to break away from the beach house on sunday yeah, you know, a lot of people, they want to do the get-rich-quick scheme, and I've always said in this business, it's the get-rich-slowly way of mm-hmm. doing it. Mm-hmm. And even to this day, 28 years in, you know, our, our business ebbs and flows, and we go through slow times. And, and even after all these years, I find it incredibly frustrating to be slow. Mm-hmm. But I keep telling myself, keep doing things right, and the business will come in the door as it always has. Mm-hmm. And so by getting rich slowly, it was putting a plan in place and being sure that you follow that plan and never, never not do what you're supposed to do. And, and I agree, look, there's all kinds of coaching saying, you know, you want to have a balanced life. You don't want to take phone calls on evenings and weekends. You don't want to work more than 40 hours a week. Well, you know, it took me probably, I don't know, 20 years to get there. But I would say the first 20 years, I took calls in evenings and the weekends and I was working 60 hours a week, sometimes 70 hours a week because all I cared about, all I would, I would just eat, breathe, sleep, growing my business. That's all I ever thought about. What about you? What in your, your history, your background, upbringing, whatever, has, has played a role in making you so driven? That's a really good question. Now, are you going to start charging me an hourly fee as my psychologist, <laughs> Jeff? Yes. Or, okay. Are you on the couch? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I think that um, just from being younger, maybe, you know, junior high, whatever, I, I never feel like I had succeeded in a lot. It wasn't until I started playing sports at high school that I really felt that feeling of success. And man, I loved that feeling. What that was your was, sport? That was awesome. I played water polo. Oh, well, that, enough said. That explains it. You're all crazy. And, and let's be clear. I wasn't good, but my team was good and was successful. Had it not been for them, well, I would have been in the same boat. So, um, but I loved that feeling of succeeding. And, and I got to tell you, my college roommates used to always make fun of me because I, I would sit there and go, I'm, I'm going to be number one one day. I'm going to be number one. And, and then, you know, 20 years later, they're like, oh, gosh, Jaffe, what? we didn't believe you. <laughs> so I, I just, I've always had that drive. I don't know why. Hmm. Well, actually, there's a lesson in there as well. It's like, you know, it's all about, you've heard the old saying, we become the average of the five people we spend the most time around. Yep. Um, so that's that's true today in terms of team and, you know, getting around environments for coaching and what's your office uh, culture like and things like that. So that team seems like even though you weren't necessarily the, the highest skilled athlete, um, you were, the team was kind of pulling you up. You know what I'm saying? Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. If they had to rely on me, well, you know, last place would have probably been where we were. <laughs> yeah, but but listen, I mean, water polo, man, and that, that culture is crazy. You guys, the stuff that goes on, like, underneath the water, it's like football in water, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Beating yeah. each other up, punching people. It's crazy. Maybe that's why my career ended after my freshman year in college. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. All right. Interesting. Um Okay, so work ethic definitely a hallmark. Um, I want to go back to the what you talked about with the the vo- high volume. You were doing high volume. Let's just call it ten units a month for for quite a while. How were you able to manage that? And I say that in the context of this. And I don't know if you you get exposed to this. You know, I get I get a lot of LOs who are like, you know, man, I'm at four units a month. I need an assistant. <laughs> um, how are you able to manage all that volume units? You know what? It's funny. You just do it. I mean, I'm doing much less units, you know, this year than I've had in some of my top years. And, mm-hmm. and, and it's funny, I, I am definitely working less, but maybe not that much less. It's funny, you just find a way to do it. Mm-hmm. But without a doubt, discipline and time focus. So probably, I don't know, 20 years ago, I started getting up at five in the morning mm-hmm. and I would be at my desk at six. So from six to 8.30 in that two and a half hours, you can do an eight-hour workday in two and a half hours when there's no phone, no email, no text. Mm-hmm. Um, another way to do it, I always, to this day still, I plan my day every night before the next day. I look and see what's on my calendar. 
I see what's important, and then I rank those most important things that I have to do first. Time blocking? Time blocking. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's hard, especially now with, with text and, mm. and email, man. It's, it's, I have to actually shut my email off because my ADD just goes out of control. What about, um, there's, there's the constant debate that goes on, you know, with time blocking in, in, in when do you break that time block you have with yourself? Um, a lot of people are like, well, if I get a call from an agent, I have to take it. I know that's maybe a personal philosophy. What's, what's yours around that? Well, I never do more than a 60 minute time block. So no one, if it's super urgent, it never has to be more than an hour. And sometimes I'll only do 30 minute time blocks because I've done all these studies and, and everybody says they're great multitaskers, but there's not a single study out there that says multitasking works. Right. The brain doesn't work that way. So every time you stop doing something, you know, you can lose, you know, 10 minutes trying to get back to where you were. Sure. And I still struggle with time blocking to this day. It's hard. And that's why to me, the early morning is just, it's crucial. I mean, mm. I'll do all my loan setups, all my marketing, anything I have to write, I'll do before 8.30 in the morning. Because once the phone rings, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just chaos then at that point. Yep. Mm. Interesting, interesting. Okay, good. Nice lessons in there for time blocking. Um, and I agree with you, those studies for you know uh, people who think they can multitask, you just can't. Just time block, 30 minutes, get that task done, and then take a break, yep. take a breather, take a walk, and then get back on that next time block. But I And also, just while we're on the topic, because uh, I'm sure you've read like the one thing and did some studying on that um, is to, you've got to also fill your allow time in your calendar for chaos and for randomness, which go, which speaks to your point about get the, get the heavy lifting done early in the day, early in the morning, you got that time. And then if you're going to make calls, get that done before noon too. Yeah. That's the only way to do it. Yeah. It just won't happen if you don't do it that way. All right. Let's talk about your business, man. Um, Got some notes here from our last chat. Uh, 65% of your business last year was past database clients, correct? Correct. And that's actually been consistent for nearly my whole career. Right. Each year. Okay. So, f- and, and this is often, as you and I have just spoken about, um, often a, it's one of those things. It's like people are ste- stepping over dollars, you know? Um, it still happens today. I don't, I've been banging this drum for a long time. Uh, I made the mistake as well, though, early on you know, just because I was all about the hunt and let's just go get deals and move on and whatever. Um, you learned early on that the importance of database marketing, why? Is there some wise Yoda coach you had or something? You know, when I was brand new in the business, I was probably in it for maybe 90 days. And I went to the old Pratt Duncan seminar. Now it's just Todd wow. Duncan. Mm-hmm. And he talked about having a database, staying in contact with clients and you know, creating a constant stream of referrals. Now, my dad was in the retail business for 35 years, so my dad was a great mentor. And that he always taught me, you know, the client is always right. I remember that as a kid, and his business was built on repeat customers. And so I had that going in, and then I went to this seminar, and they talked about the database. And well, I'll tell you, fortunately, I ran with that from my first 90 days in the business. I had a database of all my clients. And I wasn't looking just to close alone and never see those people again. I just wanted to build that database. And even to this day, I'll have this conversation sometimes with clients when I'm trying to reel in a loan. And I say, look, if I just do one loan for you and I never see you again, I feel like I'm wasting my time. I'm here to do this loan and every loan you ever need again in the future as well as anybody else you know. And that's been my philosophy for, for 28 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a specific structure for how you stay in touch with, stay top of mind with your past database. You're, uh, talk about that briefly. So um, we used to, in the beginning, we were only doing quarterly newsletters. And then I went to another conference about a year later, and there was a big producer back in those days. And he was touching his database 15 times a year. Mm-hmm. So I went, wow. So I went back to my office, and I instituted 15 touches a year. And the next year, my database referral business doubled by going from four to 15 contacts because people just do forget you. There's too much going on in life. But right now, we're actually doing, believe it or not, 25 contacts a year with our database. No we, just, we just need to buy brain cells constantly. And the big difference today versus 20 years ago 
is social media and Facebook and the internet. You can't log on to the internet without getting some banner ad for, you know, lower your rate, uh, you know, to 2% for a 15-year fix. I mean, you just can't go online or anywhere without a mortgage advertisement. So we have to be even better at buying our clients' brain cells. Hmm. So, Jeff, do you want to do you want me to talk about how we do yeah, that? Yeah, absolutely. Unpack that. Okay, so we do twelve snail mails a year, and everybody's going, "What? You, <laughs> you use the post office email?" Yep, we do. And the reason why is each family has a different decision maker. So, in my house, I basically do the bills and I get the mail. But what if my wife was a decision maker on mortgage? Mm-hmm. She would never see that mail. So, we have to make sure that we're hitting the family a couple different ways. So the 12 snail mails is made up of four newsletters. So once a quarter? Yep. And then eight postcards. On the eight postcards we call are my Who I Helped postcards. Mm -hmm. And what I do is I lay out a scenario of what we've, a real life solution that we've done for a client. So the postcard says, um, Who I Helped This Week. And then I lay out the scenario. Then I lay out the solution. So they're seeing real world things that we do. And Wait it, a minute. It's a post- right, so, yeah, I want to unpack that a little bit. Um, what does that look like visually? Yeah, so we use a two-sided um, oversized postcard, which is half of an 8.5 by 11. Mm-hmm. And the reason we're using a postcard is because, frankly, maybe 10% of the people, if I'm lucky, read it. Right. So I don't really care if they read it. I just want them to see my name and my face. Even if they look at it for an instant mm-hmm. and they throw it in the trash, mm-hmm. at least they've seen my name and my face and I could be top of mind if something comes up. So one side is just myself and my business partner, and then the other side is the story. Okay, so this is a story of somebody you've you've helped. Correct. Yep. And obviously, you've got enough of those because what's you know the volume you're doing every month, you're going to have lots of stories, right? Yep. And there's always stories, as you know. (laughs) We live those stories. And that's then on the flip side of that. That's just basically text story. There's no picture of the people or anything. Correct. And I don't mention names or anything. I see. Okay. All right, good. So and the newsletter works the same um, because when they get the newsletter, it's a it's folded in half, and then one side obviously has my name and my my picture and my phone number. And again, if they don't read the newsletter, that's fine. They throw it in the trash, but at least they see it. And that's mm-hmm. outsourced. All I do is I just send an Excel spreadsheet of the database I want it to go to. They take my credit card, done. It's five minutes. I don't have to do anything except write a blurb on the back. Which, by the way, let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I got this idea from Tim Brahim probably about 15 years ago. And on, on the newsletter, there's a section which is on the outside they see, and it says on the home front. Mm-hmm. And I always do a couple paragraphs about what's going on with me personally in my life. And there's always pictures of my family or things we've done, things that have changed. And it's amazing how often people will call you up. It's been two or three years since you talked to them or did a loan for them. And they'll say things like, oh, you went and did this, or, or I saw your daughter went to college. And I, I didn't understand how important that connection was. Cause remember I was a single guy. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't have the family stuff going on, but, but now it really is a great connection with the clients because they always comment on it. Well, I think the, the takeaway from that is, is uh, the personal aspect of it. It's the personal connection. Like speaking of Tim Brahim, right. One of his catchphrases is connection versus conversion. And yep. that's what, that's, what's going to, like you said, buy brain cells and get people to remember you. They're going to be like, Oh, look at Dave, right. He's, he's hiking Mount Whitney or whatever. That's cool. And the idea with your consistency, I think, of your your marketing efforts there to the past database is when the time comes, right? If they're thinking, hey, you know, we got a job change, we might need to X or, you know, Ju- Judy's going to college, might need to tap that HELOC. Yeah, we want to be in the stream of their of their their life, right? Yeah, without a doubt. Hmm. And, you know, what's really difficult in our business is the competition is crazy mm-hmm. with just going online or opening up a mobile app with all the advertisements. And then you've got the major advertisers like Quicken out there and all the other ones. And think about the servicers, right, that buy our loans. Mm-hmm. The servicers are our number one competition because they just have call centers and they're just constantly calling the database of people that we generated. Mm-hmm. And and I think that in the industry, we've probably done a better job than the vast majority of loan officers of staying in contact with our clients. I mean, you know, 25 contacts a year touches a year. And through that whole refinance boom, still 30% of our clients refinance somewhere else. 30% mm-hmm. that we lost 
And I'm really good at staying in contact. So think about the average loan officer. Yeah. They probably lost 70 or 80% of their business. And so, you know, it's, it's two steps forward, three steps backwards. You can't grow your business if you keep losing people out of the back end. We never want to lose anybody. That's a great point. And I think you mentioned this uh, at the start, which is um, it's only going to get tougher as these companies get yep. more aggressive and get more embedded into our lives and who knows what Amazon, whatever, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's just a lot more noise. These companies are getting better and better and better. Mm-hmm. Which means we need to get better. And, 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 get here's, better. and to your point, by the way, about the personal thing on the back of the newsletter, um, that's what's going to um, help us win. Uh, increase our batting average is the personal connection because there is no personal connection to quicken. Correct. All right. So 12 snail mails, which is a combination of four newsletters and then uh, eight postcards. Correct. Okay. And then we do 12 emails. And so now they're getting two contacts a month. So mm-hmm. every two weeks they get something. So snail mail, email, snail mail, email, snail mail, email. Tell, tell me about the email. Is that automated? What's in it? Um, the email will just sort of sometimes be market conditions. Sometimes it'll be, you know, if a new program came out, I had an email, I think the subject line said, got kids. And then it was talking about, you know, low down payment, first time buyer programs, help your kids get out of the house, things like that. Who's, who's writing um, the email? Is that done for you? Uh, I was doing most of the writing until about a year ago. And then my business partner now is, uh, she's doing most of the writing. Well, a key point there is it's not some templated, useless corporate stuff that's spit out that's completely void of any human element. Right. Well, it's funny you bring that up because we get all these advertisements from, you know, wholesalers and, and other mm-hmm. companies and it's the, you know, the embedded HTML and I don't, I just delete, 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 delete. So me personally, I like the plain text email because I'm hoping they're going to open it. I think when we send out the flyer that gets embedded, it's going to be deleted. But then again, I don't do a lot on my mobile phone. So we've had this argument in my office about the best way to do it. Well, I th- let's think about that. You know, once I heard, it's interesting because I send out a newsletter, obviously, for a lot of you listeners, you're getting my, my emails. Um, and actually, I don't, it's not actually a newsletter. It's just an email. Um, but once I heard somebody say, you know, about from marketing and what's the best type of marketing like email to send. And you think about this is if you were going to send your friend an email, would it be all fancy and glossy and all that kind of stuff? No. <laughs> right. That's a really good point. Yeah. And okay. so that's why I'm glad I, what I heard was you people are actually writing the email. Everybody listening knows you sit on your mobile phone, you get those templated corporate thing. I mean, even, you know, um, the companies that I work with, they send those out because they feel like they have to. And I guarantee you, they're the most low open, low engagement rates people have. What gets noticed um, is when it's real and raw and you. That's it. Yep. Which, in fact, now that made me remember what I was thinking. This came from Ryan Grant. Uh, he calls it meaningful engagement. It's mm-hmm. not just touching base with your clients, but actually having that meaningful engagement with them so that it's more personal. Exactly. And how do you have meaningful engagement? You stop trying to outsource relationships. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yep. Get real. Let tell people about yeah what's going on. That's why, you know, it's funny. I mean, you see those kind of people call it cheesy, whatever those, those courier font typewritten newsletters that are black and white and ugly. But that's why that stands out because it immediately, it's like, well, crap, this isn't the usual, you know, corporate BS. Uh, looks like David actually wrote this himself. And that's the idea. And that's what we're trying to come across. Yeah. You also do birthday texts. Yep. We do a text for their birthday. So now, you know, let's think about it before we had email, we just had phone calls. Mm -hmm. We had email. Now email is pretty much history because everybody, you know, deletes their emails. Mm -hmm. So now we're, we're on the text, right? Mm -hmm. Now eventually text is going to disappear because it's going to be like email where people don't want to get that many texts. But Mm -hmm. so far we're doing that as well. Mm. And then, um, so that's actually, now we're at 25 touches. Actually, so we have 26 touches a year because the other thing is we do an annual client review. Mm-hmm. Now, um, we set that up at the beginning when we originate a loan. We explain to them that once we close your loan, you're not done with us. Mm-hmm. From this point forward, our job is to proactively manage the largest investment you've taken on in your life. Mm-hmm. So we talk about how we're going to manage a mortgage like a financial planner manages assets. 
I mean, we gave them the debt, so we should help them manage that debt, like a financial advisor is going to help them manage their assets. Right. So we talk about our rate watch program, where we're looking at interest rates for them. Mm-hmm. And then we also tell them we're going to call you on an annual basis um, to review your mortgage, whether the interest rate market mandates it or not. Mm-hmm. So in a perfect world, these people should be getting a phone call every 12 months from us. I will tell you, we've been incredibly lame about that. <laughs> We were so, so busy from 2010 mm. through 2016 mm-hmm. that we fell off mostly on that. And I've actually seen my database dropping. Like I see people that have bought something else or refinanced. Mm-hmm. And I will blame some of that on that's just the industry. But I have to take the majority of the blame because we didn't do our job. And so just literally in the last 90 days, I've gotten fully focused on doing the end reviews and actually lost a long-term person that was on my team. So I've been doing it myself and it's been, uh, it's been really eye-opening. And, and I really think that that is going to be a huge thing for our business. Eye-opening in, in what regard? How little meaningful engagement we've had with our clients Mm. just because we send them a postcard and a newsletter and a birthday text doesn't make us any different than anybody else Mm -hmm. especially if it was a really easy loan and we had very little interaction with them they're just thinking of us just as the mortgage person Mm -hmm. so by calling them we are telling them what what we're going to do and then we're doing what we say we're going to do and i think it's different I don't think that we're going to see the benefit of this for a year or two mm-hmm. because it takes time. Not everybody you call is going to have a need, right. but at least they're hearing from you. And eight out of 10 people go, it goes right to voicemail. It's amazing how people don't pick up the phone, probably because they see it's me on caller ID. <laughs> I don't know. But um, the people that have picked up, um, they've not been bugged or offended that I'm bothering them mm-hmm. on their cell phone in the middle of the day. Hmm. Well, yeah, because uh, you're, you're planting the seed in the beginning in the first place. <clears throat> yep. And you may reference that in your script. I don't know. But um, okay, that's awesome, man. That, and that clearly for anybody listening, right, that'd be a great model for you to follow. Now, what I'm curious about is um, how you've pivoted then to integrate some of the more modern touch points, if you have, right, such as uh, friending people on social media. And that's obviously one way to stay connected and stay visible. Anything you're doing in that regard? Um, if I was going to rank myself on a scale of one to 10 for social media on a good day, I'd be about four. Okay. That is something that we, that we need to work on. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at your Facebook page and I know you do some other things, which I'm going to talk about. Um, and, and by the way, okay. So if you're new on Facebook, you're already doing a good job. For instance, uh, you are what I can see there posting success stories. You've got a picture of this family who just, uh, looks like they just bought a home and you're already socializing that. So a lot of people aren't doing that. And let's transition just, I guess, for sake of time, let's get into um, what I also jumped out about me, uh, about you last time we talked was video testimonials. Okay. That's, that's a modern thing, man. That's cool. You're socializing those, those are on your webpage. And um, I remember I asked you, how are you getting those? Because when I talk about video with, you know, video testimonials, most of the pushback is, oh, they're hard to get. People don't want to do it. But I want you to share for the listeners how you're able to get video testimonials. Yeah. Um, I tell you, I really put it off for a long time and finally I just had to bear down and do it. So I just went through, uh, we rank in our database, our clients and they get uh, marked as either normal uh, raving fan or VIP. Mm-hmm. So I pulled a list of all my raving fan and VIPs. And I went through the list and I looked at all the ones that were local to my office and I called them up and I said, would you be willing to do this? And just about everybody said, yep, I'll do it. We hired a videographer for a full, full eight hour day mm-hmm. and we set up the videographer and we set up appointments for people to come in and they came in and did it. And, um, all you know, in one day. they got a $10 Starbucks gift certificate, you know, for, <laughs> for all their time. And you, you shot those all in one day. All one day. Correct. Yeah, I wanted to bust it out. And okay, tell people what your investment in in that was for the videographer. It was really, really expensive. It was about four hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> so it was cheap. I mean, the videographer all day. Now the editing would be more. We did that in house through our company marketing department, which would cost more. But I would be shocked if it cost 
any more than a thousand dollars to do all that. Right. I'd be shocked. And I'm just taking a quick, quick glance at your website and we'll put a link in the show notes, but, um, I'm counting just off a quick glance. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, I don't know, six or eight testimonials. I think we had about six video ones. Correct. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Did you have anybody who said no? No one said no. The the two people that couldn't do it is they just had schedule conflicts. Hmm. And in uh, fact, the one person that said no, I had asked her if she was interested a couple months before I set up. She says, oh, I'm in business. I'm more than happy to help you out. And then, of course, she couldn't do it. But, uh, you know, that's okay. Do you have plans to do more? I don't have plans to do more. I probably should. Hmm. But um, well, let me ask you. I think about it, I get butterflies in my stomach thinking about having to do it again. <laughs> really? Why? Um, I just, man, you're really asking people to, to do a lot. I mean, uh-huh. for me, you know, maybe it only took an hour out of their day. They had to get in their car. They had to drive to my office. They had to get out. They had to do it. So maybe it was only an hour out of their life, but I know what it's like to be busy. Uh-huh. And I felt guilty taking an hour out of people's lives when they were doing nothing but helping me. But maybe that's why they're a raving fan of VIP because they want to help me. Well, there you go. Uh, you know, it's funny though. That, see, that's interesting. Is a lot of us think that we're imposing, and I get that too. I mean, even like when I first started out on these podcasts, I was like, "Oh, I don't know. Are they going to want to be on?" You know. Now it's like, "Come on, man!" You know. <laughs> right. Um, but I get it. But but th- that just goes to show you that uh, people are so willing to help. You know, especially when you do a, an amazing job for them, which I know you do. Right? There's this thing called reciprocation. Um, people want to, to help and they feel compelled to give back if you've created an amazing result for them. Yeah. And it's funny. Um, we do a client event. We actually do three client events each year for our database, but one of them is we rent out a movie theater and we just had it last weekend. And one of the guys that did my testimonial was there. So oh, really? Of course I had to thank him again for, you know, doing the testimonial. And All of right. course it came to my client event, which was great. Um, I'm going to come back to that movie theater thing in a second. Um, just make a note here, but, but, but one other idea, and this is for really for the listeners as well is, you know, I love the fact you, it's very, um, polished and professional, um, output of these video testimonials. And that's definitely one way to go. Of course, another way to go, and maybe we'll get you there, David, is, um, if, if you're, you know, just pick a few closings to go to, if they're at your, your office or somewhere else and just write. You can let people know in advance or whatever, have a tripod, have your iPhone and boom. Hey, do you mind if we grab a quick, like one minute, you know, tell us about your experience working with the Jaffe team record. Hi, it's uh, June and Sam Smith. And we just want to say, great, David was, you know what I'm saying? It could be as simple as that. Well, actually, you know what? It's a great idea is um, part of our business plan is um, when the loan documents are sent to escrow, Mm -hmm. we always contact escrow and say, we prefer that the clients come to our office and sign the documents, Mm -hmm. which is how I got the picture of those people. They yep. signed documents in my office, and I took a picture of it, and I posted on Facebook. But talking about um, a blinding flash, the obvious, they're already there. Why wouldn't I just do a video? So thank you. Yeah, you bet. I mean, picture's cool, too. Um, that's easy. Um, and I'm just, you know, I'm just on the video bandwagon because I just know the impact of video is going to have for people, for this business, for getting engagement on social media. The algorithms are favoring video. So, um, And I know we got to break out of our comfort zone on it. Trust me. Yeah. We all have that comfort zone, but that's where the opportunity is. All right. um, Real quick then, um, movie, theater, rental. A couple other top producers have mentioned that as a strategy. And it's one I think has been off people's radar for a long time. Uh, I don't know why. Um, What was the movie you you invited people to? I think the name was something about the clock in the walls. I can't remember the exact (laughs) name. Yeah, the Disney one. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. And by the way, that was it was a bummer because that really wasn't a great movie yeah. um, to get people in, but it just so happened we needed to get our movie event out. So have you, better have you done that movie before, though? you get. Yeah, there's a third one we've done. We did Pirates of the Caribbean, which was a much better draw yeah. for people. Do, yep. you, do you do it like once a year or what? Once a year, yep. And you team up with a realtor or is it just for you and your clients? Just me and my clients. So what we do is we actually have the, the database segmented. So the first invitation goes out just to our raving fan and VIPs. And then if we don't get enough people, we'll then just open it up um, to anybody we've closed a loan for in the last four years. And then we'll open up the whole database and then we'll open it up to referral partners. And is your goal to fill the uh, theater? My goal is to always fill the theater. Yep. You bet. And were you successful on this last one? Um, 
you know, I got to tell you, I'm still a little up in the air. I think we'll continue to do it. We had about 53 people there, mm-hmm. but that's families. So that really only was 18 different families, mm-hmm. but that's still meaningful engagement with 18 people. And most of those were raving fan VIPs. Mm-hmm. So it was just another way for me to put a, a face to a name. Yep. Um, so I, I just think that I think it will, will pay off and it's relatively inexpensive. It comes out to about 20 bucks a person by the time you buy popcorn and ticket and and all that. Yeah, so you're doing it like at a off time, morning or mid, something like that to get a discount, right? Yeah, yeah Saturday morning, 11 a.m. It's not discounted much, I got to tell you. Yeah. We're in the wrong business, Jeff. <laughs> a lot of money in popcorn and soda, baby. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> they don't have margin compression in the popcorn business. No. That's what I can tell. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Okay, cool. Um, all right. Well, in closing it out here, let's, let's do this. I'd be curious to, and you and I touched on this last time, but I'd, I'd be curious to get the, the input from somebody from a $3 billion originator, 28 years in the business. Um, you know, you've seen a lot come and go. Um, I know you're, you're keeping your pulse on where the kind of what the direction with the future is. There's some unknowns, but what are you doing? Let's say you're high, you've hired me. Okay. I'm a loan officer. Maybe I was in a call center or something, but I come to you with maybe a couple, three years experience under my belt or something. Um, what are you telling me to do or what are you telling yourself to do um, to stay relevant in the coming years? I'm going to beat them up from day one about their database. I'm still shocked to this day how few loan officers and realtors have a database of closed loan customers. I, I just, I cannot fathom the fact that people are not doing a database. So I probably would not let them do anything until I saw that that database was set up. They're not going to have a lot of people in their database, but if they've got five closed loans, that's five people they need to stay in touch with. And I would probably recommend they do a quarterly review, maybe Mm -hmm. not to review the mortgage every quarter, but to call them at least every quarter. Mm -hmm. And they would have to do a much better job on social media than I'm doing Mm -hmm. between Instagram and, 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 um, Twitter and all that other stuff. And then I would also have them um, try to go after realtors. I, you know, I, when I started, realtors controlled about 65% of the referrals. Now I think it's down to about 25%. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't call that the be all end all, but I think that's a good way to at least get your foot in the door somewhere and try to get some quicker business. Uh, as I was just going to say, is that's because that's the now business, um, the short term. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just, let's just reiterate this point for those listeners, you know, this well is the, the path to close the path to success and trust when it's a referral is night and day compared to something you generated online. Yep. And and so good point there is people say, oh, I've got this great marketing program. I'm doing Facebook advertising. I've got all this great marketing. Our number one marketing program is our service levels. People say, oh, I have great service. Okay, that's fine. You know, we have great service. But we have a perfect loan process plan in place. Mm-hmm. And the idea is to wow the customer and the referral partners so much with working with the Jaffe team throughout the process that it creates a constant stream of referrals. So you can't just get that deal in the door and you can't just close it on time because that's a given. You have to close it with excellence. You have to be unbelievable from the minute you talk to them through the pre-approvals, through the home search process, from opening escrow all the way through the escrow period and closing. Mm. You have to be unbelievable at that. I agree. And I think um, a, a caveat to that, if, if that's an appropriate word to use and what I'm trying to get across here is, um, but I think you're saying the same thing is, yes, you have to have that five-star client experience, but you can't come out of the gates using that as a differentiator, meaning right. like scripting to real, well, why should I work with you? Cause I have this awesome client experience. Well, until they've gone through that, it sounds like everybody else. Yep. I yeah. agree. Awesome. Um, cool, man. What are you, what are you doing to finish out uh, the year strong? Um, I'm reviewing my business plan again mm-hmm. to make sure that we are doing everything that we're supposed to be doing on our business plan. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting fully focused on ensuring that we stay on track with calling our database of clients to do the annual review. That's something that we're being absolutely brutal about um, doing. <laughs> love it. Love it. Be brutal about past database. Right. Um, 
And I love that you said it doesn't have to be annual either. It could just be quarterly. You could just be like, hey, I do a quarterly checkup just to see because life changes, you know? So I yep. just want to highlight that for people who think, well, I can't call for one, every 12 months. No, call, right? Just set that up. Set the expectations in advance. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, like I've got 2,100 people we're actively doing. Mm-hmm. And if I'm doing it myself, someone who doesn't have 2,100 active people in their database mm-hmm. can easily do it by themselves. There you go. Structure, planning. Well, listen, for those who want to um, maybe connect with you, uh, what's the best place for them to do that? Email is david at jaffeteam.com. That's david at J-A-F-F-E team.com. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you being here as always. Thank you. It was a, it was a crash course in uh, you know, lessons from a $3 billion originator. So thank you very much for that. Thanks for having me, Jeff. I appreciate it. You bet. And listeners, as always, feel free to uh, reach out to me anytime on Facebook, in the group, uh, email me, podcast at Mortgage Marketing Radio. But if you haven't yet left a review, do so, please. That's how we reach more loan originators. And uh, I appreciate you being here. We'll see you on the next one. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to Mortgage Marketing Radio. Want more truth in mortgage marketing? Get more free training and resources at MortgageMarketingInstitute.com. Hey guys, what's up real quick. Uh, you've heard about the mortgage marketing pro membership before. And I just want to quickly remind you if that you're in a place in your business where you simply need more purchase loans, you need to fill your pipeline with purchase business. Let's just face it. Agents are still a solid pillar of business and sources of purchase business for you. Well, good news. Our Mortgage Marketing Pro membership helps loan officers like you close more loans without the hassle of chasing agents or cold calling. Done for you agent classes, expert training videos, a marketing automation platform that automates the entire process for you, everything you need to build your personal brand in your local market, attract and convert agents into referral partners, plus done for you proven marketing materials and plug and play content to make promoting your class, getting agents butts and seats, partnering with affiliates real easy. But that's not all. You'll also get access to our weekly mastermind calls with top LOs, authors, speakers, and coaches to learn the best strategies to grow your business right now in today's market. And as an extra bonus for a limited time, for all new members, you'll get access to a database of 200 agents in your local market that have closed anywhere to, from eight to 50 transactions in the last 12 months. And we'll provide that list upload into our platform for you so you can get off to a fast start in reaching actually productive agents. So what are you waiting for? You can check out more at mortgagemarketing.pro, see more of the success stories there. And if you feel compelled to do so, book a call. We'll have a chat. We'll see if it's a fit. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your mortgage business to the next level right now. Head over to mortgagemarketing.pro.